Recovering from knee surgery is highly variable. It was going to take forever to get better if I was ever going to get better. There's got to be something out there besides a CPM machine, which and clearly isn't helping get me. Active and aggressive with this thing, or I was going to. Need you know, I'm a guy that's not looking to relieve the pain. I'm a guy that's looking to get back in the game. That downtime was not what I wanted. We've spent the last seven years perfecting the recovery system that takes variability out of knee rehab so you can quickly get back to your life. Welcome to The Bee's Knees, a podcast full of articles, interviews, clinical studies, and advice about knee surgery, physical therapy, and life after knee surgery. My name is PJ. This is The Bee's Knees podcast, and this is our third interview ever really, with a knee patient. So I'm really excited that we have Marisa Rogers here to talk to, to talk with, to learn from. Um, Marisa and I worked together a little bit as she's gone through, uh, you know, a few adventures on her knee in, in, in recovery. recovery. And um, so I'm, I'm really excited to share what she has and what she's learned. And we've got a specific focal point, really, Marisa, on um, the fact that you had to do a second implant in the same knee and in fact that you found uh, and I won't give it away but you found a maybe a new and novel way to uh, put you found some new hardware I guess that that seemed to be pretty appropriate right. for your for your body um, so let me stop prattling on as I tend to do chatting chatting and let you maybe just tell us about you and introduce yourself could you do that hi um, I'm Marisa Rogers and I grew up in Somerdale, New Jersey. A very active young person, played softball, soccer. I was on the track team, cheerleading. Um, I live now in Woodstown, New Jersey. I've been married for 30 years, and my husband and I have three daughters. Our whole family is active. Um, we love to swim, ride bikes, hike, travel. I was a travel agent prior to becoming a middle school teacher. Our family vacations, which we took several being a travel agent, um, revolved a lot around physical activities, uh, hiking, you know, Grand Canyon and zip lining, et cetera. Um, so uh, having limited mobility was tough. The, um, when did the mobility start to become a problem? How, how many years ago would you say? So... I was 21. I'll have to do a little bit of math here. Mm. <laughs> 45, no, wait, 35 years ago? Right. Okay, wow. So I had a skiing accident, and we were in Vail, Colorado, again, because we travel and we do <laughs> physical activities. Um, there's a mogul run, which if some of the listeners aren't sure, it's a bunch of small hills along the whole ski run and um, causes a lot of wear and tear on the knee joints. So the mogul run was the run prior to my accident. Um, my knee was probably worn out a bit, and I went up one more time. The next trail, my knee just completely gave way. I didn't hit anything. Nobody bumped into me. It bent 90 degrees or so to the far left, meaning un unnaturally, laterally, and just popped. Um, I had full ACL reconstruction at 21. Which knee was this? The left. Left. Okay. Full ACL and left. Keep going. Sorry. So the reconstruction included drilling holes in the femur and the tibia bones, large staples for stability. I had no true ACL. They kind of made one out of my patella tendon. They took a piece of that, made a rubber band kind of thing. And um, uh, the other ligaments were, you know, torn as well. I had three months in a hard cast because back then, about 35 years ago, they didn't realize the trouble that would cause, I guess. Um, this was a lot of immobility, and my knee joint grew a dense, like, arthrofibrosis adhesion um, issue. Sure. So I wasn't making any progress once the cast came off in, in range of motion, and, and I was very young. They had to do 
three arthroscopic surgeries to remove the adhesions over uh, a year and a half um, so that they just were growing back. You know, of course, you do a surgery, then there's going to be more because that's kind of what it is. It's scar tissue, and it grows, and I tend to have that issue. Um, I was in rehabilitation for two years. At that age, I didn't resume normal lifestyle until 23. I did work, et cetera, but I wasn't quite walking right, et cetera. Um, and then over the next 30 years, very active. So the knee reconstruction worked well. Didn't do any high-impact sports or anything. But um, it was, was that the end of the skiing for you then? Yes. I did a little cross-country, which is really kind of gentle on the joint. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I had no interest after that mm-hmm. uh, and didn't really get much uh, arthritis or problems until about 50 years old. What was the name of the run at Vail? I honestly don't remember. No, okay. But at the bottom, there were many skis lined up at the clinic. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, yeah. So is this the whole thing, like they, they have to rescue you on the hill and slide yeah. you down the whole thing? Yeah. Wow. In fact, a good visualization, I was in a body bag um, mm. attached to a sled and two of the, um, well, I'll call them Red Cross people because I'm not really sure, but they skied me down attached to a sled upside down on in the body bag. Wow. <laughs> I thought if they let go, I'm done for. But, yeah, it wasn't. A, a moment you'll never forget, right? right. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure 50 years later. Oh, wow. And, you know, it, it's it's this very important joint, the knee. And we need them to do everything. And so much weight, so much pressure on the knee. And when you're doing moguls, uh, aggressively skiing, living your life, you just don't know when something like that's going to happen. Right. Wow. Wow. So it seems like it's really been a, a factor in your life all the way so from age 21, it sounds like, right? Yeah. Well, over over about 30 years there, I was doing well. I just purposefully avoided high impact, you know. Okay. I could still okay. um, do many things, ride a bike, even jump rope, you know, um, easily enough. Mm-hmm. It didn't start bothering me again until age 50. And gotcha. that um, arthritis kicked in. So was it a gradual thing, or were you, within a short period of time, realizing, boy, I, this, this knee isn't working out anymore? How did that work? It, it was gradual, and I also received injections trying to ward off the pain. Um, I had mostly pain when it rains or cold weather mm-hmm. um, so I just dealt with it um, they didn't really suggest knee replacement because I was young still and yep. then the injections weren't working so uh, at age 55 we um, discussed it and realized after seeing the x-rays of the jagged bone on bone and no more you know, cartilage etc uh, that it was probably the best thing to do Right, right. So how about the that exploration that you did? You realized that this is really inevitable, I guess, and so you decided to bite the bullet. Did you uh, explore a lot of different surgeons at the time and techniques and that kind of thing, or did you just have someone in mind? Right. I did not do enough research. I um, just took a recommendation from a friend. She had her knee done and she did well. We're completely different body types and that'll come into the conversation a little bit later, but um, the type of knee didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So so there's a little bit of a lesson right, right here before we even get into your surgery and then revision surgery, mm-hmm. which is uh, do your homework, really know what you're getting into. Right, um, and and later on when we discuss my new doctor, they make sure that we research because they force you to. <laughs> really. Good idea. Interesting. 
Well, we'll hear about that. Um, okay, so let's talk about it then. You you found a surgeon, uh, decided to go forward. Uh, why don't we talk about that? How, how did what happened? Tell tell the story of that. Yeah. Need. So um, this was basically last year. I went forward, and um, first of all, I had an issue with the narcotic, um, the oxycodone for the pain medication for surgery. Um, made me dizzy and unable to be mobile. I pretty much was fainting every time I stood. Mm. Uh, because of that, uh, I really couldn't get any range of motion early on. I, I couldn't walk to the bathroom. I had to have someone help me, and I brought a pillow every time I got up just in case I was going to fall down. Wow. So I had a lot of trouble with the medication. I thought that was important to mention. Um, so we changed it for this next uh, uh, replacement. But and, and that was something you you couldn't anticipate. Like there was no sense I that you had, had it before, okay, so I didn't right? No, and um, now we put it on like an allergic reaction, but it's more of a just complication, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so that was the first issue. Um, the second issue was because of that. I build up adhesions and scar tissue, or what they call arthrofibrosis in the knee, because I didn't get my motion early enough, and I tend to grow these anyway, because it happened when I was young. Um, so I got very stiff. My muscles also had atrophied, the quads, the calf. Um, and it was dramatic um, as far as the muscles atrophy. Um, because it looked like a very, like a peg leg, mm. you know, no calf muscle. And I had an indentation on the inner quad. The skin was hanging loose, but also kind of like indented or curved inward concave. Um, it was a, that was my second big deal. Um, they tried manipulation under anesthesia. It didn't quite work to break up the adhesions well enough. Um, so then we did arthroscopic surgery six months after the um, uh, replacement, and it allowed for some gain of motion. In fact, I used the X10 then, uh, right. because that's when I had learned about it, and got a better range of motion after the arthroscopy, which removed you know as much adhesions as they could. But it's difficult to remove them once an implant is in, it's hard to get around all the uh, metal, et cetera. So. Was this a, um, a lengthy debate with your surgeon yes. about what to do and how to do it? Yes. They don't like to do arthroscopic on um, knee replacements. Mm -hmm. so, and, mm -hmm. and the new surgeon did something different, which we'll get to in another question, I'm sure. Okay. Um, so those three issues, the uh, narcotic, the... Uh, you know, atrophied muscles and, and um, adhesions. And then the third issue is the fact that I had an implant that was now looking like a helmet on my knee. Mm. I thought it was going to reduce in size, you know, maybe swelling or whatever. A year later, it still had that helmet look. And many surgeons won't look at your knee for possible revision um, until a year has passed. So we knew I had issues that weren't being resolved well, but it was hard to get other surgeons for, like, second opinion to take a look, and my surgeon just said, keep exercising. Um, mm -hmm. Turns out that the knee I had put in was what you might call a generic type knee used for men and women. Um, they have different sizes, but basically the same shape. And my final uh, opinion, which was a third opinion, um, he does a different type of knee, and it has a more, he called it a trapezoidal shape, and it has uh, the ability for muscles and tendons to go around it in, in an angle that's more um, 
specific towards women's legs. Um, I might as well say I'm only 5'1", about 120 pounds, so I'm like child size. Um, this new knee was what I needed. Right. Right. So, so, and did this come, just this idea of a female knee come from a specific surgeon or had you nosed around on the internet and learned about it that way? How did, how'd you get there to this, this new I, knee? I didn't consider looking for, you know, women's knee in particular. I was looking and researching for anything, very desperate, discouraged, uh, Basically, I was depressed because I thought I was going to be um, crippled forever. I couldn't walk. I couldn't do steps. And I um, had a lot of difficulty sleeping. Um, I went to work, but all my colleagues could tell that I was in distress, you know. Mm. Um, I'm a middle school teacher, but I I didn't have my own room. I'm one with a cart. And so I moved all the time, which was good exercise. I didn't mind. It's just with this knee, I had a lot of trouble. So um, I was searching, but I wasn't finding because I wasn't asking the right questions or using the right keywords, let's say. Mm -hmm. I found this through women. So I was at a bridal shower, and um, my husband's aunt said, you're not looking well with that knee. How long has it been? Here it was 14 months. She said, you know, you should be doing much better than that. And, of course, she had friends who'd gone through knee replacements. Um, Her friend's niece had had a revision with this doctor that does women's revisions often and uses a specified knee. So I jumped on it. I said, give me the phone number and made an appointment. (laughs) Mm. And that led you to the specific surgeon that that you ended up working with? Yes. Um, So that realizing that maybe it was an incompatible knee implant, it was a whole different outlook. I now Hmm. had some hope, you know. Um, I wasn't sure yet, but I spoke to everyone around me, do you think I should go for this, you know, and obviously you have to talk to the surgeon first, but everybody seemed excited, like, wow, we found something that may be a solution. And uh, the surgeon's name is Dr. Booth. Um, he works in Philadelphia area um, for ARIA 3B Orthopedics, which is now part of Jefferson. And mm-hmm. he does many women's knee revisions. So after speaking to the one woman at the bridal shower, I did find a few others to speak to. Is uh, do you have any? So Dr. Booth is the one you you ended up using, right? That was yeah. a. And did you get a sense that you're not alone in this, uh, through that practice at all? That other people are finding Absolutely. him and right. really. Yeah, and and I wondered why it wasn't more known, let's say, or why it wasn't offered um, from the previous doctor that there is a, you know, women's knee, or why it wasn't used. Um, I can only imagine because I haven't gone back to him and I, I want to just, you know, to let him see how I'm doing, et cetera. But um, I can only imagine that maybe certain surgeons use certain types of knees for whatever reasons, right, and may not use the other knees for specific reasons. <laughs> I don't right. know what the reasons are. Um, You're right, though. There are a lot of factors um, business relationships, marketing relationships, uh, just a general preference for a type of knee familiarity. I think once you, you, you know, start doing a number of surgeries as a surgeon, you're, you know, you get into your comfort zone uh, with the hardware. Um, it, it, there are a lot of factors. And, and it, I don't think there's anything nefarious. It's just, you know, just how you were raised or maybe what your mentor used or what they used in the hospital or, you know, you know, a lot of good good research that you've you've read about the hardware. And um, it may work for many women. The the previous name, you know, but I personally had a different, um, let's say, shape to the the leg. You know. Yeah. Well, you know, and it's funny. I am not uh, an orthopedic surgeon, so I I can't start making pronouncements and 
uh, suggestions on that, that front, nor can you. But we have a wonderful woman, Marisa, and she is petite, and she had a knee that was oversized, apparently, and uh, this new women's knee for her was, was, was a, uh, an answer. And, uh, and so there's a circumstance here right now that, that is a real one where it, this seemed to make a really, really big difference. But I'm kind of leading, leading the witness. <laughs> Go ahead and tell us, tell us more about uh, this surgery and, and the results. Yeah, well, meeting with the doctor was, you know, very enlightening. Um, he, he took both legs and checked to see my, you know, flexibility level, to see how they matched up. He checked, actually checked my arms and wrists as well, you know, trying to see why I may not be working well with this knee. And um, he um, explained how women's knees have, um, let's see, the way that the muscles and tendons go around is at a different angle than men's. Um, he also mentioned that maybe 25 or so years back they used the same knee for right and left legs and realized, you know, there's a difference in the anatomy of the legs and we should have a specific right and a specific left. So maybe we should have knee types for different types of people, you know. Um, that's where he got into this. And um, it's, the, it's a Zimmer knee. It's called Next Gen. I don't know the specific model, but that's a good start. And if I mm-hmm. had known to look stuff up that, you know, uh, could have found out maybe sooner um and i had been as i said like i was a cheerleader i uh, did sports i was very flexible and and still am so it may work for other people but it didn't work out for me with the other knee um it's also a smaller size different shape so different um than the previous one um now that's the knee as far as you know physiology, I guess, is concerned. But the arthrofibrosis issue, this surgeon addressed that with radiation. So that's something I think is important to bring up, anyone out there who's having those issues. He radiated, or actually I went to a different um, doctor, but they radiated the knee four hours prior to the replacement surgery. Wow. What that, like a cancer patient, was, you know, radiation therapy, what that was supposed to do was inhibit the growth of the scar tissue or adhesions, as they call it. And um, I tend to grow it hard and fast. So by inhibiting it, um, it would allow me to get the range of motion maybe sooner. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Now, I've not heard of this before. And that doesn't mean a lot. I mean, I, but I have worked with hundreds of knee patients, and this is very, very interesting. So you are clearly a candidate who is going to have a problem later, once again, because of scar tissue. We know this, so let's, let's get out in front of it with the radiation. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, this knee is already less swollen and um um, you can see indents where they should be, you know, like dimples, et cetera, or whatever you want to call it, where the other knee never got there. Right. And the radiation may have something to do with that because the scar tissue probably hadn't grown. Of course, you can't see it, so <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I also had uh, less of a narcotic. So knowing that I had that issue, we did tramadol instead, tramadol. Right. Um, a little um, less intense, and so I wasn't feeling dizzy or completely out of it. I, I could move. I got off the cane within a week. Um, so much different and just amazing to me. I was able to get on the um, X10 right away and then on the um, stationary bike, um, whereas the last time took weeks, and I couldn't the, the last time I couldn't do revolutions on a stationary bike until five months. This time I did it in two weeks. Unbelievable. Well, let me just pause before we get into that because I do want to hear about your rehab. But 
you're just trouble, right? My goodness, yeah. the effort, the radiation, the the dealing with the narcotics, the fact that this knee's got all kinds of, you know, bad history in it that needed to be dealt with with their arthroscopies. Wow. Right. It's a, a, basically, the doctor said it's a triple whammy, <laughs> and mm-hmm. and I I uh, had a really tough time the last year and a half. I've had, you know, uh, a good outlook, but depression along the way. Um, the only thing I can come up with is maybe it was so that I could pass some things on to other people. <laughs> so I'm very glad to be doing this podcast with you pj so if other people have any issues that might be similar they can i so appreciate you doing this i and i uh it's this is that's exactly what we're trying to do we are trying to provide some real life experience you know from people that have gone through whether it's an easy recovery or a challenging recovery but have have done have gone there before and you have certainly, in a whole bunch of ways throughout your life, had to deal with this at different stages of your life. And, you know, I, I appreciate the, the, the depression and the, the, the difficulty that, that you've had to endure, you know, at a few stages of your life because of the knee. I, I've heard that many, many times. And, and you said it earlier, but it, was, it seems like Dr. Booth, the the fact that you the, there was a female knee the fact that he adds in the radiation that he's uh, way ahead of your 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 pain question and, and the, the tramadol solution I mean you really found a great person to deal with these one by one mm-hmm. to get you into a position to to recover properly I mean right. bless him let's just say it I mean you you really found a good guy it sounds like yes um, and and another um, thing I want to say is um, he and his team force their patients to go to a mandatory presentation to learn about uh, knee replacement, the before, during, and after of knee replacement, so that they're not caught off guard or Mm -hmm. feel that they're having unusual, um, you know, uh, problems. Let's say he kind of says these problems could occur. Let us know if you have, you know. Also, they... um, tell you to do some strengthening exercises prior to the surgery, which I learned because of the past one. And so prior to the second surgery, I joined the gym. I worked out with the um, strengthening machines and swam laps in the pool, Um, even though I wasn't doing great walking and doing steps, I could still do some of the machines in the pool. Wow. So I want to pass that on as, uh, you know, I know some people don't have mobility and, and may feel that they can't do those things, but there's got to be some type of activity you can do to try to build your stamina prior to the surgery, your, you know, flexibility, strength. Um, my therapist, Sarah, because uh, I had her for the previous one, and she felt she wasn't getting me where I needed to be, um, she said, work on your quad muscles because that's going to give you that stability for the knee joint. So I was more well-prepared um, physically. Sounds like it. Uh, very admirable. Well, w- whether you, you wanted it or not, you had to have this knee become a, a bit of a vocation, didn't you? I mean, you had to just put your mind on it and, and your body, and you had to prepare yourself. And we talk a lot. You know, to all of our patients about prehab, whether they're going to prehab on our machine or they're just going to prehab uh, separately, it's it's uh, it's a very very important thing. I don't know, Marisa, if you saw just uh, last week there was a big article in the Wall Street Journal about prehab and how well accepted it is broadly, and um, it's what you do now. Yeah. And it, it, it was really quoting a, a study, but it was it was published in the Wall Street Journal just last week. Interestingly I, enough. No, I didn't. But- but I want to say at therapy, uh, there was a man who um, had his done the same week as I did this, this time, right? And yeah. he's out already. He did fantastically. And, of course, he didn't have all the issues I had. But he uh, explained to me that he has a bike and a treadmill at home, and he's, you know, he prehabbed, and he had been using them, you know, throughout his life anyway. 
and he just soared right through. Of course, everybody's different, but I would definitely tell everyone, you know, to do as much as they can. Great, great advice. Um, well, let's talk about the recovery from the revised knee, um, what it was like, what you did. Uh, you used our X10 machine, so I want to hear a little bit about your experience uh, there. Well, what, what was that like? Yes. So I had had some experience with X10 after my arthroscopy from my first implant, and I knew I wanted it right away. Um, my insurance doesn't cover it, but I have a flex benefits account, so I was able to use that for you know, partial uh, payment. And I got it as soon as I could after surgery. I did the exercises at the gym prior to and then jumped right on the X10. I'm going to say probably day like five. Right. Um, I had in-home physical therapy for two weeks, and he loved the X10. In fact, he wanted me to use it six times a day. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> Which I was a little bit, you know, uh, not able at five days. But <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I used every part of it because I had been familiar. Um, so, you know, did not only the range of motion, but when I was stronger, started with the... Um, Strength activities, exercises, dynamic, concentric, eccentric. Um, you know, just got on it as much as I could. Uh, like a friend, it motivated me to try harder. If you would take a friend to the gym with you or something <laughs> like that. Hmm. Um, kind of like yeah. a partner in some yeah. ways, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I'm sure anyone who's had their knee done, we get bored, we get lonely, we're stuck. You're not allowed to drive for a while either. You kind of have to rely on other people. And um, so my best friend was X10. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, let's pretend. Well, it, we don't have to pretend, Marisa. Plenty of people are listening to this right now or will listen over the next six months or a year. And they're like, the what? I keep hearing about the this thing, um, but what is it? How, how would you, in your own words, describe the X10? Um, I would say it's um, a technological item that allows you as a patient to be an integral part of your therapy immediately, if possible, without having a hands-on therapist. Um, So uh, you can also... um, program it in your own way so it's gentler than a therapist might be (laughs) right so i've been through a lot so i know um the x10 motivates you by asking you do you want to go further in your extension towards zero do you want to go further in your flex toward you know 120 or wherever you want to be um you can decline if you're feeling like it's too much or you can go further and, and, you know, challenge yourself a little bit with it. But it moves slowly from one degree to another, um, from extension to flexion, so that you don't necessarily feel that um, pain that the therapist might do more quickly, you know. Mm. And you can work on it whenever you want. So... I am usually on it for half an hour at a time and try to do like, you know, four or so times a day. Um, So I would, I don't know if I got off track here, but I would say the gentleness of the way it pushes your leg to where you want it to go and your ability to stop it or ask it to go further puts the patient in control and makes the patient more... um, Comfortable. Yeah. We like talk I, a lot I about might, comfort. I might fight my therapist, you know, not mm-hmm. even on purpose, but um, guarding the, the knee, I, I might push in the opposite direction she wants me to go or something. Fight back, yeah. right? 
Yeah, well, the, that's, that's right. And it also has the strengthening exercises, so for the quad and the calf muscles, et cetera. Yeah, and, and that's a, it's important to when you can, and, and there's a lot of a debate out there, a lot of debate out there about when should you start to strengthen, but we all know that, you know, every day that you're not actively living your life, being mobile, out there doing your stuff, you're losing a little bit of muscle mass. And that atrophy can really add up over time. Most people end up with a big deficit. You are, having been so athletic, very conscious of that. And you did all that work beforehand. The last thing you want to do is spend three weeks, you know, in recovery and and emerge with no quads again. (laughs) Right? So it sounds like you really embrace. uh, Well, tell me this. When did you start doing strengthening on the X10? How many days or weeks post-surgery did you start that? Um, At two weeks. I tried it and did very gentle strengthening. Uh, I'm going to say I think it's the the calf push maybe. Yeah. The easiest for me where um, the hamstring and the quad was tough. Um, Mm -hmm. So I just do less, you know thought I was going to do 10 and I did three, (laughs) you know, Um, whatever felt like I wasn't going to harm myself or, you know, be in such pain that I'd regret it. Um, And then just tried a little more each day. I think I had it for three to four weeks, right? About four weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So um, by that time I was really gaining, um, you know, the numbers were were, um, increasing as to how many repetitions as well as how much pressure uh, I could put. That's really, uh, you know, we're, we internally at X10, we're talking feverishly about what you did, not you specifically, yeah. uh, but you're sort of a poster child really with all those problems. I mean, many people are not going to have the, the long story of difficulty that you had. They just ended up bone on bone and had a knee replacement, but, but you your approach and you, the the way you delivered the results and the fact that you got into the strengthening really at a very appropriate time and t- made the most out of this device. Um, I really admire what you did. I mean, we have lots of success stories. We have lots of wonderful patients, but you know, you, you, you've intellectualized this entire process and, and you, you sort of made decisions along the way and then you, you put them into play, and I, it's, it's really great to hear I, how you, how you did it. <laughs> so yeah. I'm desperate. Yeah, yeah. I also want to say, when I got to therapy, because I didn't get to outpatient therapy until, like, the second week, I already was close to zero and close to uh, 110, and I could do revolutions on the bike immediately, and they were completely surprised. <laughs> wow. I, because the first time I couldn't get around the bike for five months and I had such trouble. So they were like, whoa, you know what? And I explained, well, between the new knee and the X10, you know, here I am, right? Right. How long ago, uh, how many weeks post-surgery are we right now? Eight weeks. Eight weeks. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so what's life like right, right now at eight weeks? So... Um, oh, you know, before we go on, my physical therapist came to the house, my outpatient therapist, and uh, checked the X10 out. She wanted to see it. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, she really thought that that was, uh, you know, all that, that uh, I showed her was very beneficial. This um, is like a kind of like a movement, you know. We're not out there advertising. We're not, we're, we're you know, we're doing talks like this, I guess. And, and, and patients are inviting their doctors and their physical therapists. And, you know, we're, as we, this, it's, it's sort of emerging, this X10 thing. And um, I, I, I hear a lot, of, a lot of patients love to bring their, because, their, you know, you found it first, right? Before Dr. Yeah. Booth, before your PT, you know, you, you got out there and, and, and searched the Internet and ended up coming up with this really amazing solution. And it's, yeah. it's fun to be able to share. You know. My husband's an engineer also, and so he, you know, checked it out, and he said, this is what you need because, you know, you can't go to physical therapy every day, and you can't really apply physical therapy to yourself well, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So 
and other people are afraid to touch you or they hurt you. <laughs> so the machine was, you know, like I said before, my best friend and allowed me to have some control um, and feel um, that I was an integral part of, you know, getting better. So right. I, would, I would do it again and definitely recommend it um, if I have to do it again. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're done, right, forever. Yeah. How's the other knee? Um, I've seen x-rays. It's got a little bit of, you know, jagged bone, and it's slightly off, misaligned a little bit, but they haven't said anything. Um, they told me, you know, my uh, left knee was like an 85-year-old knee, so I guess my other knee is less than 50, so. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You balance it off. Yeah. Um are you back to some activities that you wanted to get back to after this I last can surgery? Walk. I, I, I walk up and down the road as one of my activities, and um, I can walk a mile and a half on a, mm-hmm. you know, good day. Um, I can ride the stationary bike. I would probably be able to ride a bike, uh, a regular bike, but I haven't tried because it's too cold. Um, right. And I can swim. The doctor said I'm okay to do that. Those are the normal activities as far as physical. Um, I cannot do the steps yet. My quad just isn't quite able to get the leg over the step. I can do four-inch steps um, because I happen to have a sunken living room, Mm. but I can't do regular stairs well. I'm going to start work on Monday, so I took the eight weeks to work out you know, as much as possible, and when I get back to work, we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah, I can drive, uh, you know, put clothes on and off, get in and out of the shower, and I've been able to do that much sooner than previously. Um, you know, starting about three weeks, I was doing several things. So not quite normal, but normalizing maybe. Right, and weeks. much sooner, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's a journey, and uh, you know, two months post surgery, um, it, that that's it's a pretty good report, really, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, and I know that that I think the one thing that obviously is still in your mind, I'm sure, is the steps, and right. that that not quite there, and you know, it could be certainly could be just the the quad strength. It could be, you know, maybe any if there is there much swelling left in the knee. Um, in one generalized spot, um, mm-hmm. my therapist, because I had so much trouble the other time, believes that I have, let's say, one quad muscle that is overtaking the others, um, like a bad habit. Um, mm. yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm not able to isolate well, which, you know, nobody thinks about till they tell you. Right, right, of course. um, So I have a muscle stimulator as well for that quad that it's the inner VMO. I believe it's vastus medialis oblique. Mm Mm-hmm, okay. I'm having trouble with. I see. um, And have had trouble with, and she says I probably always had a lag there since I was young due to that skiing accident because... Um, you wouldn't necessarily notice it if your other quads are working well, you know. Um, so she's not surprised, but she sees that the uh, effort is coming along. And I don't have steps at work, um, so I just basically work out at home on them. Right. And that's the that's the one thing that, uh, you know, is uh, annoying at this point. <laughs> but I can deal with it. Sure. After all this, um, well, I mean, you, you've given us tremendous stuff to think about and a lot of great advice. What you, I know you made some notes before. Did, did we miss anything that you'd like to bring up now? Um, I think generally we, we talked about it, that anyone who's looking into this, first of all, do more research. Um, ask the doctor what types of knees are available, not necessarily that that doctor uses, but in general. And um, 
work out as much as you can, even if it's in your own home doing stretching exercises or someone helping you to, you know, uh, cardiovascular, anything um, prior to the surgery. Um, And then the one observation I'd like to add, uh, I've had a year and a half this time of therapy, and I'm working on more. It's very natural for patients to compare with each other. They may not say it out loud, but, like, we're comparing ourselves to the other knee replacement patients, (laughs) Um, and that's good and bad. So I just wanted to go over that a little bit from what I've So every time I see another knee replacement patient, I try to strike up a conversation. But I didn't previously. Previously, I just felt sorry for myself because I could see that older people, and I'm talking, you know, even 30 years older than me, were recovering quicker and just so, you know, um, hopeless because of that. I wasn't sure why, right? now I understand, of course, everybody's unique, but that my issues were much more, you know, uh, tough than than we realized. Um, it's so that's a harmful thing if you're comparing yourself and feeling depressed about it. Right. But it can be helpful to compare in general to see how the others are responding to therapy because it gives you like a view of some targets or milestones, you know that you may accomplish soon or that you see yourself accomplishing and realize you're on target with others, you know? Yeah. Um, So at this time, I am sort of in second place out of the eight or nine people. (laughs) We Mm. all got our knee done within the same week, right? Right. Last time, I was in last place and, like, so far behind. So the comparative thing, you want to be careful about it, but, you know, Say it out loud is probably better than just thinking it to yourself, either asking the therapist or striking conversations with others. And, you know, you learn from each other as well as um, put that out there so that I'm telling everybody about this lady name, right? Right. Right. Um, It's funny. I'm on the phone a lot with, with people who are in trouble, and I have milestones that I like to share. And you know, try to help evaluate how they're doing and what's working and what isn't. Uh, but, you know, there are reasons for someone to be faster or slower in recovery. And it may not be effort. It may not be dedication. There are a lot of physiological reasons and, and just knee history reasons. And so, you know, you're, it's, 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 I hate the answer of it depends. How, how, how fast will I recover? And the answer of it depends is no fun at all. But it can turn into um, it, it's, it's it's probably more true than we'd like to admit. Really, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of variability and a lot of variety, and um, you know it, it's it's really about treating people like like you found the solutions that you needed at the time, you know, in the end, and you know we, we were trying to hope and maybe this podcast will help others do the same, what whatever their path is toward that. Right. Yep. Um, I am so excited now, actually, to go to therapy, and I'm very hopeful that in the next few weeks the, you know, step issue will be gone. And, and you know, it could be as much as a year, they tell you, but I think I'm going to be feeling stronger and more, you know, normal to myself sooner than that. So um, Amazing. Yeah. And that that's when you'll know you're done, done, done. Yep. Yeah, this knee thing, my goodness, put it in the back, you know, in the rear view right. mirror. Wow. wow. Of course, I'm probably going to have to have it again because they only last, you know, 20 years or so. It's hard to say. Well, um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I you hear that, but I also hear that there's a lot of confidence in the newest hardware from surgeons, uh, you know, with the hope that 30 years is not unreasonable, Great. for instance. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I, I wouldn't let, don't, don't sit around and worry about that, I guess. No. <laughs> and I'll be more uh, prepared and uh, they'll have, you know, more, you know, the good technology and, and the X10 will be covered under insurance. So. Right. It will be, and it'll be 
the uh, good, good, good Lord, I can't imagine where we're headed with our our machine in in that time frame. I mean, it's all. It, I already, already know what's happening at the next models that are coming. That is just mind blowing, um, and that's just going to be in January, February. <laughs> so, oh, wonderful! Yeah. yeah oh, you know what we 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 uh, missed speaking about Todd. So, Todd oh, was yeah. my X10 um, therapy. Uh, well, he set the X10 up, and he helped me learn how to use it twice. Um, and when I had some questions about flex ability and extension he helped me do some different methods um, because I happened to be hyperextended on my good leg so we were trying to even push it beyond zero a little bit so mm-hmm. yeah so your um, your representatives are very good about you know getting they're they're available by phone as well as email getting back to you and um, working with you individually yeah, we're lucky to have Todd. Todd is very, very experienced. He's, I think he's coached well, many hundreds of, of X10 patients, and he's got great experience with the machine. And he's been, you know, he's he's very involved in a lot of aspects of our business. So I'm really glad that was a good experience for you. Well, wow, this has been great. And you know what, Marisa, we did take 50 minutes. How about that? <laughs> it was worth it. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I hope that. For those that got here all the way to the end, thank you for listening. Um, this Bees Knees podcast, you know, about knee surgery recovery is a passion for a lot of people. And uh, the fact that we can, you know, introduce Marisa to everybody and her story and we can all learn from her. I mean, I get so excited about that. It's precious stuff uh, that we're, we're doing here. So thank you very thank much, Marisa, for the whole thing. Thank you, PJ. I'm Dr. Justin Trosclair, host of two-time Podcast Awards-nominated A Doctor's Perspective podcast. I interview doctors in and out of my profession about their specialties and the occasional non-doctor special guests. But we also go behind the curtain and see what's working for their marketing, overcoming struggles, practical knowledge, book choices, and relationship advice. Join me on any podcast app on your phone or visit adoctorsperspective.net for the show notes pages and free resources. I want you to have an abundant home life as well as a thriving practice. So come on, take a listen. To learn more, visit x10therapy.com, 1-855-910-5633. Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review our podcast. It helps people find us. X10, back to full strength.